Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Quorum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Derek Hansen. Derek is an international sports performance consultant and educator. He's worked for over 30 years as a sprint coach and physical preparation specialist. He's been consulting with professional teams in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLS, Major League Baseball. I mean, he's really impressive. He's worked with national team organizations and collegiate athletic programs for over 20 years. Derek specializes in speed development, strategic performance planning, return to play protocols, and electrical stimulation technologies. This is the second episode in a three-part series where Derek is breaking down the fundamentals of speed development. If you missed the first episode, go back and listen to it. It's short and it will definitely set the stage for today's conversation. Today, Derek details the fundamental rules for programming for speed. This includes intensity, volume, and rest intervals. We also discuss whether you should sprint first or lift first in a training session. We also talk about early specialization for youth athletes and a whole lot more. If you're looking to develop speed for yourself or your kids, this is a very practical episode and you'll be able to implement some of these methods immediately. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Derek, last time we talked about why speed is an important physical quality to develop. I'd love for you to talk a little about like some basic rules or fundamentals for speed programming. Like if you're going to go out and actually have a quote speed session, like what does that look like? Like let's say a high school football player receiver. Yeah. I, I mean, as a rule, like there's, there's two aspects to that. Usually we do, as you know, a short to long program where you run sh- very short distances and then you gradually increase the length of that distance. So it could be say for football players, I might have them start at 10 yards. Okay. Let's just run 10 yards and you work on starting and acceleration because that's, that's a lot of the game as you know. And and then you start, if, if I'm working with a wide receiver, then we start going out 15, 20 yards over a couple of weeks, you know, three weeks, four weeks, then we get out, you know, a little farther, maybe six weeks out, we're out to 25, 30 yards. And we're just gradually adding distance because as they go a little farther, they're going to run a little faster. It's just the way it is. You have more runway distance, right? And as part of that, we're very careful with not feeding them too much at one time. We may say, if you run 10 yards, I need to give you at least one minute break so that that nervous system can recover, the brain can recover and the muscles. And you can, you know, with that one minute, you can give them some instruction as a coach and say, work on this, you know, get your arms up. So if you go 20 yards in week three or week four, then you get two minute break in between reps. And that that might seem like a lot. So a lot of people will say to me, oh, okay, in that two minutes, can we do something else to use that time, right? And I think the easiest thing I came up with was a few push-ups or, you know, I didn't want to exhaust the kids with any other lower body work. As a coach, you just become, or a parent, you just become a good storyteller so that you occupy their their brain while they're waiting, right? Before you know it, okay, we've done two minutes, let's do another 20. Those are some very basic hard and fast rules. Short to long, gradually increase the distance over week, every week and then give them at least one minute break for 10 yards traveled. And, and in the beginning, you might just go, let's just do a walk back and you get them to go a little easier. I think a lot of people think sprinting is all about go as fast as you can all the time. But sometimes it's good to go a little slower or just submaximal, maybe 85, 90% so that they can relax and work on the technique. So that's probably the other quality is you don't have to run fast all the time, but because you're working on technique, it's just like 
swinging a golf club. I'm a horrible golfer. So I always forget. I go out there. I think I'm going to just smack that ball as hard as I can and see where it goes. (laughs) Doesn't end well. And so, you know, most of the top golfers are taking a little bit off their swing so they can keep it in the fairway. So I think it's, it's like that for, I mean, it's like that for any skill, but certainly for sprinting, you have to take a little bit off and then just kind of tease it out a little more. Smooth is fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in in everything. Like I remember reading books about Bruce Lee and how he had to really ingrain relaxation so that he can get his hands and his feet moving faster as part of martial arts. So it's, it's not something that's really foreign to us, but it is very difficult to abide by that guideline because we all want to go hard. Hmm. If you're someone that's pushing to be your best at work, at home, or in your personal life, then I invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter adaptation. In this newsletter, I curate actionable information and resources for high performers just like you. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. So how, like, what type of volume or total amount of yardage are you covering early on in a preparatory period? So like, let's say you're in early off season, first month. I mean, are you going 500 yards of accelerations? Are you doing like, no, I mean, it might be, it might be 200 to 300, mm-hmm. honestly, 200 to start or 150 to start. And that, you know, you go, well, what's 150? That's 15, you know, three sets of five by 10 yards which is a lot because the start takes a lot of energy out of you. Right. And you can do different start positions. We do a lot of starts out of the push-up position. So 150 yards is 15 reps, 15 sprints, you know, especially if you're our age, you know, that, that, that does count for something, (laughs) but, uh, but for kids, you know, you want to get them to work on starting and acceleration. So you keep the distances shorter. And then as the, the distances lengthen out and say, now you're doing 20 or 30 yard sprints. Well, you may not do as many reps, but you could do 10, which is 300 yards. And then if you get out to 40, you know, you might get out to 400 yards, you know, two sets of five by 40, which is uh, 400 yards. So you're sticking around, I would say, in that 200 to 500 yard range, but you're starting with, you know, the shorter distances, the shorter sprints and getting in around 200, 250, 300, and then gradually building that up as well. You do need the volume. You do need to train at least two times per week on speed for you to accumulate those neurological adaptations and the physical adaptations and the technique and just take all that in. So that's the big thing. I think a lot of people think they can, they use the term microdose speed, like, oh, we're going to do two reps over here and one rep, you know, and I'm like, that's not enough. You need, you need to have them in a regular two to three times per week program and you don't have to hammer them, but you do need that consistency. The repetition is more important probably than the total volume, the frequency of workouts because you get that constant exposure throughout the week. So at what age would you start having kids maybe do some sprint training? It's a good question because I've had as, you know, as young as, you know, parents coming to me, I have a five-year-old and I think he's going to be good. Right. And uh, <laughs> I go, Okay. Um, there's nothing wrong with them going to the playground and Hey, let's have a little race once in a while. But yeah. as far as formal sprint training, you and I know that, you know, the attention span of children, not that good. I mean, even teenagers nowadays, right? You have to tell them to leave their phone at home. But I would say my kids didn't start really taking to it in terms of a formal training process till they were about 12, 13, like grade seven, grade grade eight, you know, six, seven, eight around there. And then, you know, once they got to be, you know, 14, 15, then we were more consistent with our training. So 
it's not as though, you know, you have to be this early adopter and early specialization, you know, put them in sports, get them to do a couple of activities, some of the drills and jumping and all the things that, that you know about and, and get them to be reflexive and elastic and bouncy and, and do a couple of starts. Um, but it doesn't need to be this regimented program because they are going to grow and they're, you know, mm-hmm. going to discover new limb lengths and all that. So you don't want to overdo things at the beginning because stuff's going to change. And, uh, the great thing about running is it is teachable, you know, later on. It's not like gymnastics where you have to start them really young and they have to be at a certain spot by age 12 so to make it to the Olympics. That's that's really stressful. I think you can use, you know, running and sprinting sparingly in those early years and then really go, okay, I will coach them or I'll find a coach that can really work with them now that they're in, you know, junior high. So if like you're a youth sport coach, let's say you got a youth sport baseball team of 10, 11 year olds, like maybe you could even include it, like have a nice warm up for the kids where you're teaching them basic movement patterns. And then maybe like when you do base running, you could kind of include it in that, like a little dose, you know what I'm saying? Instead of like, we're going to run 20 bases, like that's never going to happen at a game where you're going to run like, you know, four home runs you know, let's just work on getting home to first and just really working on accelerating. And you could get all the kids up in a line and, you know, give them a couple basic pointers. But I thought I, sometimes we just need to let people move and let them move fast and let them feel the freedom of movement. You know what I'm saying? Especially early on. Yeah. And and definitely make it fun. Like you said, you know, you can do things with baseball where maybe, you know, one person has the ball and they're doing sort of a rundown thing where somebody's caught between the bases and it's just sort of, okay, you got to chase them and tag them. You know, there's, there's fun things that you can do where the outputs will be high for the kids, but they won't even realize they're doing something, but you want some degree of that physiological demand on them, that intensity where they have to run fast. And it's, it's really funny when I do my courses, when I conduct my courses, you know, it's all personal trainers, strength coaches and physical therapists. And I'll say, well, okay, when was the last time you sprinted as fast as you possibly could? And most of the people are like, well, maybe high school and some people like grade seven, Right. So a lot of people haven't done that and aren't exposed to it, you know, for whatever reason, we don't have to hunt for our food. Right. Um, And (laughs) we have, you know, we have, we have, you know, police forces, so we're not running away from people all the time, but I think, you know, you have to have that exposure. And I, I know I worked in a physical therapy clinic and we had people who show up who tore their tendons, Achilles tendons, patellar tendons, quad tendons, torn hamstrings, avulsed hamstrings. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I was chasing after my kid or I was trying to catch the bus. So even these older people aren't exposed to those stresses and they're just not resilient because of it. Yeah. Wow. Last question I have on this is like, how does speed training and weight training interact? Um, I'd say, you know, you have to be careful. I think we abide by these rules of, you know, try not to lift heavy before you sprint. Because remember, we were talking about the speed of, you know, turning things on and off. And when you lift weights, things tend to stay on and contracted longer, which does create some confusion when you go and sprint. So there was one NCAA program that will go unnamed here. I'll tell you after. But they called me and said, oh, we had 17 hamstring pulls in their spring practice, right? And I'm like, oh, that must must be a record, right? And then I found out the strength coach was having them do heavy squats before practice, right? Maximal maximal squats. So they're kind of incompatible. It's, you know, you don't want to combine popcorn and bubble gum, right? And chew them at the same time. So, you, you know, you have to order things so that we do our sprints first, which is high neurological demand and high 
coordination uh, requirements, and then we can lift after, right? And and that has always worked well in, in terms of planning. So you want to lift weights because it gets you stronger and it definitely helps in the start and the early acceleration. But you want to be careful at how you plan that and you schedule that. You want them to be a little bit separated or at the very least sprint before you lift weights. Right. I mean, I just think about how I feel. You know, I go go lift weights. I mean, one of the I do jujitsu a lot. There's certain things like I don't want to go do really heavy weights before I go to jujitsu. I'm going to be stiff and tight and I'm going to hurt myself. If I did something explosive and light and something that's maybe some med ball throws or something like that, I'm going to feel really explosive on the mat. It's kind of common sense if you think about it. Like, would you want to go put 400 pounds on your back and then try to go sprint? No. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to feel good. Yeah. I, I, you know, and even as we get older, like I'm turning 53 this year. God, man, you look great. (laughs) It's it's the sprinting. You know, I used to lift weights like, you know, like you, we were all sort of slaves to the weight room and we'd go do it and squat and this and that. And now I'm very careful because you're right. It doesn't feel great. Like I, I feel my elbow joints, my shoulder joints, my knees. And I've been doing more of the sprinting to compensate for that hill running. Um, and I've even been using, I've been doing the Tom Brady, you know, using elastic bands for some of my strength work. And, you know, it it does have less wear and tear. So I'm very conscious of that. I love weights. I have, a, I'm sitting on a weightlifting platform and I have a squat rack in this room, but I'm very careful now. Well, Derek, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this today. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation when we talk about that lower part of the high-low process. Awesome. Sounds good, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. And please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button on whichever listening platform you were listening on. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.